Welcome to Rebecca Neal, the podcast, where I, Rebecca, your host, share thought-provoking episodes with you to help you take your life from where it is now to where you want it to be. I have a huge desire and passion to help people just like you get out of their own way and start living the life that they deserve. I'm here to help you feel empowered, educated, and inspired to get into massive action and create change in your life today. Join me weekly as I share insights into the online business world, social media, and many other motivational topics, and also interview some of the world's most incredible humans to help you become the best version of yourself. I came about it in quite like a manifesting generator way, which is a human design term. So I um, recently integrated human design into my business. Um, because I find that it's a beautiful tool that helps people understand their uniqueness and also gives them a map of how to use their energy and like a huge permission set of how to show up when when they want to expand into their fullest expression. And that was Julianne Kelly. And she's a coach who's deeply passionate about guiding her clients to understand themselves and remove conditioning so they can bring their unlimited potential and purpose to life, working with both the body and mind, using the tools of kinesiology, NLP, intuition, and human design. She clears her clients' energetic and emotional blocks so that can they can bring their gifts and gold into the world with so much ease. Her passion is ignited by guiding clients to trust and reconnect with their own deep knowing and intuition so that they can navigate their own lives with ease and nourishing sense of fulfillment. I know you're going to love this episode. I loved working one-on-one with her when I did my human design reading. It was a little, I think it might have been September last year in 2021 and it was really eye-opening and she was just such a beautiful human to have this experience with. So let's dive into the episode. I'll see you on the other side. Hello, Julianne. Thank you so much for being here. How do you, firstly, how are you? And then I want to know, (laughs) how do you spend your first hour of every day? Because I'm sure you're someone that has amazing routines. Oh, hi, Rebecca. It's so beautiful to be here. Um, This one made me giggle because um, I don't know whether any of your listeners can um, relate, but I'm a mom with two kids. And so... (laughs) My morning routine can be the make or break of a day. Um, so when I was looking at that, I said, okay, on a good day, um, I get up, I um, go and sit somewhere quietly and just kind of drop in. To be really honest, silence is such a gift sometimes when you have kids to just connect with yourself. And I find it centers me. So I do that and just kind of take some deep breaths. Um, It's not a meditation per se, but it's like a check-in with myself um, and what I want for the day. And and then I do a practice, which um, I don't, maybe we'll talk a little bit about later, but I just feel into my body and feel into, is there anything coming up in the day that I'm nervous about? Is there anything like you know that I'm anxious about or that I'm bringing you know like an energy that's not kind of relaxed or grounded and so I just try to breathe through that and like work through that in my mind um and then I have a lemon water and a set or a celery juice one or the other 
Um, and then I moved my body. Um, and I moved through that pretty quickly. Um, so moving my body looks like either going to a Pilates class or just intuitively moving it at home, like moving. Um, I often like to put music on and just do kind of intuitive dance, um, which <laughs> might sound a bit weird, but actually I could not recommend it more highly. Um, and then I jump into my day. I jump into getting ready, get my kids ready for school, and then I grab a coffee after I've done that. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty good morning to me. Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I do think there will be many listeners that are agreeing with you on the mum thing because there yeah. are a lot of mums that tune in. And I know just from chatting to friends with kids, they're just like, oh, my morning just got eaten away with kids getting this and doing this. And I guess yeah. they're so unpredictable, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like I say that's on a good day, so I try to connect to that sort of routine. Um, but holidays throw it out of balance or you know, if I'm not on top of my game, it's so easy to reach for the phone, isn't it? And just check that. But it's, it never serves. It never leads to a better day. So I try to kind of stick to those, those key things of just checking in with myself first. Yeah. And I try to, with my phone, I have it go off at 8.30. So everything goes into lockdown and then lockdown, our our famous word that we use. (laughs) (laughs) My phone goes into lockdown until, you know, 6 or 7 a.m. And that way I don't, like, I can't access the apps. Like I could if I really wanted to, but it's got that prompt to make sure that it goes, ah, do you really want to be doing this? And then, so I don't get stuck in that scroll late at night. I don't get stuck in the scroll first thing either because it's so easy to do. And then we're spending the rest of the day, you know, in reaction or instead of, you know, responding to what's going on around us, where we're sort of in that triggered state, would you say? Totally, totally. Well, I mean, you're absorbing, there's a couple of things in that. You're absorbing other people's achievements or other people's, you know, best side first thing in the morning or you're straight into action and you haven't actually checked in with yourself. And so from that place, it's so easy to just jump into fight or flight responses into like doing before we've actually even connected our mind and our body together. Mm. And so, yeah, it just, it can escalate into a stressful state so easily. I heard about somebody recently actually who got something, I'm pretty sure it's called a K box and it's um, a, like a white box that you have to put your, you put your phone into because that lock on the apps isn't quite enough for some people (laughs) and then they put their phone in there so they literally it won't open for the number of hours that they put on the lock and I was thinking gosh I might be getting one of those when my kids are a bit older you know just like for the whole family to put them in at night time such a great idea yeah well I think that's where a lot of problems come from especially with children is that they're left with phones and they're left with devices Mm. and it's overnight and I noticed a lot of that um, was causing stress. Actually, I worked with quite a few teenagers over the lockdowns. And, um, yeah, I just think sometimes when they're left on their own, they're dealing with much bigger things through those devices than we anticipated. Yeah. So yeah. I think one of those lock boxes might be, <laughs> might be the way to go for me That's in the future. great idea. <laughs> it's, it's super interesting, though. I mean, I personally, and you probably similarly, you know, in my teenage years, I didn't really have a phone and, and the phone I had just made phone calls and texts, right? Yeah, so yeah totally. We just, we just didn't grow up the same way. And no, not at all. 
at the recording at the recording of this episode, you know, this week I'm actually supporting Youth in Search, which is a charity around teenage suicide, and mm. so that is there's so much of that happening now and I'm sure like you said you've seen some of this yourself the mm. mental health of teenagers and children and mm-hmm. you know that that they're wanting to leave this earth around 10 years old 11 years old it's mm. so heartbreaking and I do not doubt that having a phone that has access to all sorts of different things on it has an impact a hundred percent um I mean I was in well you know because we met while I was in lockdown in Melbourne so I did those the last two years in Melbourne mm. and um I you know I had a lot of parents come to me to do work around stress and um uh yeah neck like depression and a lot of emotional issues with their teenagers and even with the, the what I observed was even with the kids or the teenagers that felt okay themselves there was a big emotional responsibility on them to support their friends that were going through things and so I heard stories about um kids that were kind of counseling their friends on the phone throughout the night so that they're you know because they were worried about them and I just thought my goodness that's such um that's such a sense of responsibility at such a young age when you're trying to navigate your own life Mm. so yeah, I think I think there's a lot that comes with that. And there's a lot that comes with just being engaged with your social circle for so many hours in the day. We need we often need that tap out. We need that time to reconnect to ourselves or be quiet or come back home and just kind of let things go. And I think that's one of the aspects with mobile phones that this generation's not getting as much. They're not getting that space. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a lot for them. It's a lot for their nervous system so young, I think. Oh, yeah, and you really are just trying to navigate and figure out life, like without having to have all these extra things coming at you and responsibilities and all that mm. stuff, like you said. It's so mm. crazy. Mm. Absolutely. So yeah. I think we should share with the listeners what it is that you actually do. <laughs> yeah. And why do you do what you do? And, you know, a big part of what I do with my consulting clients in business is ask mm. them why they want to create what it is that they wanting to create. You know, there is a deeper reason why we get into the work that we do. So I'd love for you to share that with us. Mm. So I'm a kinesiologist and emotional coach. And um, what that, means is I I work um, with a traditional style of coaching which is where are you now and where would you like to be and I use a lot of the tools that were taught to me during coaching Um, but the aspect that I found made the biggest difference to me was when I studied kinesiology and I was able to connect the that the mind has, contains a lot of information, right? It's not that it's un, it's unhelpful. Um, it's where we learn things, where we store information, but it's also where we um, often access um, parts of our, like the, a meaning that we've attached to things, right? Emotional experiences or time in our past. And um, those sensations and those memories actually get stored in the body and so if we're I find that when we were able to integrate um changes in both of those places like changes in mindset and changes in 
how we want to approach things and actually clear the resistance that comes up in the body um, to be in alignment with that, then the change was much more easy to implement and much more easy to stay with or expanding into a new version of you didn't cause as much stress or um, like stress on the nervous system or stress on the, the body to maintain. And so I, I work by blending kinesiology and coaching. Um, and I, I came about it, <laughs> it's funny, I came about it in quite like a manifesting generator way, so which is a human design term. So I um, recently integrated human design into my business um, because I find that it's a beautiful tool that helps people understand their uniqueness and also gives them a map of how to use their energy and like a huge permission set of how to show up when they when they want to expand into their fullest expression. And um, I came about my way of working through doing a lot of different courses and kind of just merging and just blending them and finding, oh, this really works. And when I was studying kinesiology, I met a guy called Dan Thomas who I was lucky enough to work very closely with for about two years. And um, he taught me a lot about the emotions, emotional patterns, how they get stored in the body, how we can get stuck in like limited thinking. And I kind of mentored underneath him and learned while he was developing a process called the spiral. And I find that that was the key thing I took from my kinesiology study was while I was working with him and studying kinesiology, it really became the cornerstone of how I work. Um, And I find that because we are in such, to just go back to what we were talking about before, because we're in such a stimulated society, we're in such a stimulated community um, and a way of living now, I'm often working with people whose nervous systems are just strung out. They're, they want to change, but the thought of changing and expanding is just perceived as another stress on their nervous system. And so when we can clear emotional blocks, when we can clear that sort of energy from the body, that's what makes it easier to kind of expand into something that is new or challenging or, you know, a bit of a stretch to our perception of ourselves. And yeah, so I kind of work with a blend of lots of different modalities and um, I do it because I find it so helpful in my own life. I came across kinesiology because I had awful dermatitis on my eyes. Um, I worked in the spa industry at the time and people used to think I had like pink or red eyeshadow on. And in fact, it was just red raw skin. And I tried for months and months to go and see every traditional doctor and every, um, you know, Eastern doctor that I could. And I finally came across kinesiology and um, the woman I worked with got rid of it in nine days. And I was hooked. (laughs) I was like, what is this thing? that you just seem to be able to track whatever's going on in my body. Um, because if it's unresolved, it'll show up in other ways, right? 
Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I always say that, you know, to heal, we have to feel. And for us to feel, it has Mm. to come to the surface. And unless it has, it's always going to be there until it presents itself, you know, presents itself one time after another, whether it's a small nudge or a bigger nudge or whatever's going on, it eventually has to come out of the body, right? Totally, totally. And if it doesn't, you know, if it's not moved through the body, which is a term that I use in the work that I do, um, which is often by going into the feeling and and just being with it and allowing it and allowing the expression of it. And then, you know, so it's actually moving through the emotion, not just trying to move around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we do that, the body finds resolution and it drops into acceptance and the energy can move again. It's when it gets stuck. Um, it's when there's resistance that um, it causes disharmony and disease in the body. Yeah, and so would you say, like, what's something someone could do? Because, I mean, emotional, like, I try and feel my emotions and breathe into them and find them in the body and do that sort of thing. And we all go through times where we feel sad or we might feel lonely or we feel frustrated or angry, all these sorts of emotions that are mm. no right or wrong, but, you mm. know, they can be challenging, these mm-hmm. emotions. What can someone do to kind of work through that if they weren't able to work with a kinesiologist or someone to help facilitate it? Or is there something that someone can do in their own time that can help them? So I think the biggest, the thing that made the biggest shift for me was paying attention to our bodies. Oftentimes we're not feeling an emotion until it's showing up externally within our environment. So mm-hmm. something's gone wrong or we're in an argument with someone or, um, you know, we're having miscommunications or we're, what we're actually doing is we're feeling an emotion after it's been reflected back to us through a problem in our lives. Not always, but often. And, um, when you start to connect to your body, you'll notice that there's intuition, like little nudges or sensations that come from your body quite often long before it's showing up as an external problem. And so what I would recommend is starting to attune to your body. So doing things that drop you into calmness and drop you into stillness and drop you into a grounded energy at the start of your day so that when you are finding you're in a place of stress during the day or you're finding, you know, that something feels off, it's because you're present to the sensations coming from your body. It might be like a flutter in the chest or a nudge to make a phone call or, um, you know, you'll feel like you have a knot in your stomach or you'll have tightness in your chest. Those are the things that are like the precursors to the big emotions. And so it's just basically like a constant cycle of staying attuned to your body. What is it telling you? What If you were to pay attention to it, what are the things that it's nudging you towards? What are the insecurities or the stories that you're telling yourself that aren't actually helpful and that if you paid attention to them and went towards them they're the pieces that you can if even if you just say them out loud you realize that actually you're just 
telling yourself shit stories or unhelpful stories, you know, and then you can kind of start to dismantle them. Um, so I don't know I mean, if we give an example. Um, it might be uh, going to a meeting or doing a presentation, right? And so you check into your body in the morning and then, you know, you're sitting in traffic and you're highly stressed or you're feeling like I can feel a stress building. I can sometimes to just in that moment say, I can feel tension in my body right now. What is underneath that? What am I making that mean? Right. And it's like, I'm, I've already decided that if all this traffic doesn't move, I'm going to be late. I'm going to be stressed. And so actually what, what you'll find that you're often doing is that you're 10 steps ahead of yourself stressing about all the things that could go wrong and so in moments like that in like feeling and paying attention to the signs that are coming from your body it's just I know it sounds so cliche but (laughs) it truly truly works it's just taking a deep breath and a beautiful way to work with the body and the mind together is asking questions rather than telling it what to do you know like so for example rather than saying just relax just relax because sometimes the body's not ready to relax whereas if you invite it to act like through a question to say what would how would my day run differently if I was just to relax and so it's a question so the body and the mind tend to go and find out they're like oh what would happen and so they tend to like try it it's like trying it on for size you know so like oh yeah okay and so it's like what would happen if I was to drop away judgment right now what would happen if I was just to open my heart in this moment what would happen you know and these are just examples of different questions you can ask if you're finding yourself in a very critical state or if you're finding yourself in like a lot of self-judgment what would happen if I just accepted myself exactly where I am? And so posing questions allow your body to go, oh, what, what would that feel like? And then through that and connecting to breath, you can start to drop into a more what I would describe as a regulated system because often a lot of the big emotions that we're feeling are in response to unconscious stories that we continually run in the background that are not very nice to us, yeah, and so that causes stress in the body. And so it's just leaning into the sensations from the body and asking what are the stories underneath, what are the stories that I'm telling myself that are causing me to feel this way, what would happen if I was to try something different, yeah, and then just choosing what that different thing is that you'd like to feel. I like that. It's that self-inquiry, right? And just getting mm. curious with yourself, asking questions mm. to kind of mm-hmm. see what else arises and, and being gentle. Like when you're totally. saying just relax, just relax, it's almost like a tension really. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's another order. It's another thing that you've got to do. I should be more, t- I, you know, I should be more relaxed. Why can't I just relax? But you can hear the undertone in those things it's just another, uh, it's an undertone of more judgment of ourselves. Mm. So when we ask questions, there's a softness there of like, oh, how would it feel if I was to just decide that things could be easier or that I'm enough exactly the way I am? Otherwise, I wouldn't have this opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. So would you say that 
you know, going back to the little nudges or having inner nudges or things presenting themselves, would you say that's like your intuition and that's guiding us or how do we know what our intuition is or how to listen to these nudges? Mm. Um, so intu- intuition is an interesting one um, because we, so there's one piece about intuition that we want to watch. <laughs> Sometimes um, we can be, Yes, our intuition can absolutely talk to us. And often it's very quiet and it's the thing that kind of doesn't make sense or it's the voice that says, you know, call that person or do this thing or, and it's so easy to miss, right? Which is why being present, checking in with ourselves, that's the practice that allows us to connect to our intuition much more easily. Um, it's, it's, it can be harder to like check into our intuition when we're busy and frantic and energetically what happens when we're in that state is we can kind of rise above ourselves and we live very much in our head, disconnected from our body and our um, intuition for like 99% of people lives in our body. Um, And This is actually one of the things that I absolutely adore about human design is that in human design, they teach and they call it your authority and they teach that each type and each person, depending on their chart and their formation of their charts, has a very specific intuition. And I love this because when I first started working with people around their emotions and their intuition and what's their, how I often refer to it in sessions is what's your deep inner knowing? And it's like guiding people behind the surface answers, the surface stories, which is, which are often the things of like, you should do this. You should do that course. You should accept that job. You should go to that party. But actually this, when they listen to the piece underneath, it's like, I don't want to be. <laughs> I don't want to do that. It doesn't feel, it doesn't excite me. It doesn't light me up or, I, why, you know, I, I just don't have the energy for it. And when I started studying human design, they, it explained a lot of that, right? Um, that where do we get our nudges from? What is the story that says, yes, go do that? Like the, the urge to go do that is a good enough reason for you to follow it, yeah? And so in human design, there's lots of different places that you can access your intuition from and each person will have a primary centre where they access their best intuition and their authority, which is if you have a major decision in your life to make, this is the place. You might get information from lots of different places. You know, often hear people say something like, oh, my head says this and my heart says this, but my gut wants to go this way. Human design, say, for example, you're a sacral authority. Human design will say, trust your gut, yeah? It'll be like, yes, you might get information from all the other places and it has value, but the what, the place that you ultimately listen to is your authority centre. And so there's, um, there's lots of different authority centres in human design and it um, it'll tell you what part of yourself to most listen to. So it's very very valuable information to be able to pull out of people's charts to say 
you might receive information from here and here and here, but ultimately this is how to work with your intuition. This is how to listen to it. Um, for example, I'm an emotional decision maker. I'm an emotional authority. And so even though I, ha- I will get hits about things, I will get like an instinct, I need to sit with it to listen to the ultimate truth for myself. So I, I'm the sort of person who will need to sleep on things. Um, I'm the sort of person who needs to take a couple of days because I can have an emotional wave and I'll need time to move through that to make sure I'm in a neutral place to make the best decision for me. Whereas, for example, you, Rebecca, are a sacral decision maker. You don't need to sleep on things. You will need to connect to your body as you know, I'm sure you've been mm. practicing this, but if something expands you energetically, if something lights you up, that's a yes for you. And you can feel that in the moment when you're asked about the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a pretty big, like, let's just make it happen when I feel that way for sure. Totally. No, like, I'm just going to think about it. It's like, we're doing this now or we're not doing it. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's an immediate decision maker, right? The sacral, yeah. like yes or no questions. Um, if you're trying to get more clarity, you'd ask it questions so that it can respond to life. It can feel into it. Mm. Yeah. Um, whereas the emotional center, like, for example, I have a defined um, sacral in my chart as well. So I will get that hit but I will need to sit with it. I'll need to sleep on it to make sure that the initial hit was actually the right thing for me to do. Yeah. Whereas you don't need to do that. No, it's usually pretty obvious too. Like if I feel it, a yes or a no. Mm. Oh yeah. I mean, a no feels like no energy. It feels like a withdrawal. It feels like pulling away from it. Like a, ugh. Yeah. Frustration. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. So, Let's, mm. let's dive into a bit more around what human design is because, I mean, it is, I wouldn't say it's a buzzword, but it's definitely become bigger, let's say, in the last couple of years and it's yeah, seen more by people. There's lots of people that are coaching on it and it's, you know, it's quite a cool thing. But what, it, what mm. it, how does it work? What is it about for those who haven't really heard of it before? Mm. So human design is essentially a map of your energetic um, system and your like your individual potential um, and it's really beautiful to have it reflected back because it's a very expansive tool that shows you um, the energy that you're here to bring the world and, and your potential yeah um, and that chart is pulled together through a blend of astrology the chakra system the I Ching um and quantum physics so it's a real blend which is why there's such a depth of information in the charts um and the beautiful thing about it is it's not a belief system it's not (laughs) you have to believe that you are a generator and therefore you have to do these things you know to be a generator it's it's the thing that I love about it is it's not really dogmatic Um, like a lot of other teachings sometimes can become. Um, It's it's very much an experimentation. So um, they call it the science of um, uh, differentiation. 
So it's about how each of us is completely different and unique in our energy and our essence. And it gives us a map as to how to connect to that. And then um, Ra Uruhu, who was the, the gentleman who developed it, um, he it is through the 90s. Um, he says then experiment with it, like lean in, try try it, try to work with energy in the way that it is described and um, see if it works for you. See, does do things happen in more alignment? Do Does life become a little bit easier when you work from this place and therefore you you it's just a tool that you can use to expand um, uh, yourself, your life experiences and live in more flow. Um, and that's why I think that's why it's become so popular it's it's easy for people to access and it gives them the tools to be able to uh engage with their life from more ease and the the biggest thing that I get when I do readings for people is and it's really beautiful is that reflect back oh um they feel very seen so those little nudges and those little whispers that you might get about how you want to do things or how you want to do things differently that you mightn't have been giving yourself permission to do then when it's reflected back to you in your chart people say oh god I just I knew it I just I knew I've always wanted to do things that way or I've always wanted to express myself that way or I've always been interested in that sort of subject um you know, I just, I just didn't see how I could make it happen or I didn't, you know, give myself permission to do it. And so it's quite beautiful to have that reflected back as like um, part of your genetic expression. Yeah. And I think for me with that, I remember when we did our call, our session last Mm. year, I was Mm. like, oh my gosh, like this is all stuff that I know, but like didn't know, but like it, it really aligned everything you were saying. I was like, that's me, that's me. That Like it was, it was this beautiful like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like just a reminder that I was in the right space, that what I did feel was, you know, okay or that it made sense what I was feeling yeah. and yes. what I was experiencing. It was really, really cool. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so I think, um, and it has really taken off. It's, you know, even compared to when I first started reading about it and was interested in it, it's all over social media now compared mm. to even back then two years ago. So it's it's great. It's beautiful to see it. And so how does someone knowing their human design chart, like how does that help them with business or how does that, or how can that help them with different areas of their lives? So in... In your chart, when you um, have a reading, the things that are reflected back to you, like in a foundational reading, for example, um, it can be how, how is your energy best received by others um, and how do you work with that energy to invite more invitations. So um, if I just speak about a couple of the different energy types, so the type, there's five different types. Um, your type is really how you're designed to use your energy and how others perceive your energy. And when we understand that, we can engage in more aligned opportunities. Yeah. So 
for example, um, projector is one of the energy types and projectors are um, meant to wait for the invitation, Yeah, which sometimes when you first find that out can sound like a really passive <laughs> sort of way to use your energy. But what it means is that when you share when you share your wisdom, say, for example, on your social media platform or places where you're promoting your business, when people recognize the wisdom that you have embedded in that, because projectors have great insight, they're people who are fantastic at improving that the way the way things are done. When somebody recognizes that and you speak to them and they recognize your wisdom, they will often invite you in and when they do that you have like full permission to bring all of yourself in that space because they've basically said yes I'm open to your insight and your wisdom and projector energy can be quite intense they can see things that other people can't see so you want to make sure that the person that you're sharing your insight and your wisdom and your gifts with is kind of ready for that yeah mm-hmm. um and so say for example you have a projector that's in their business and they keep acting like a manifester they keep initiating they keep pushing their work out into the world they keep picking up the phone and calling people and saying do you want a session with me that's not waiting for the invitation so it means that if we use that one example it means that person's putting their energy out into the world in a way that's like please recognize me please recognize me please and what happens is that makes that's no people just it feels very invasive feels very it's it will not be received well and what happens is that person may receive rejection things just will not move forward in the business they're just not feeling aligned at all it's because that person's not working with the wisdom and the knowledge that they have in a way that allows the world to really see them for the gifts that they have they're kind of searching for validation. And within the projector, when they're rejected like that, it creates a lot of bitterness, you know? And so we take another example, like a manifesting generator. They're meant to um, have lots of interests. Like, for example, I'm a manifesting generator, you know? Like, if you just look at the way that my business is structured, I was doing it before I even knew. So, you know, I, I use kinesiology, I use coaching, I've done Reiki, I've been, you know, I've done body work. I've had experience in so many different areas and I pull my knowledge in from all of those places to kind of create my own unique way of working. And that's how manifesting generators meant to work. You have lots of different interests and a big permission slip for somebody like that is to, take what is of interest to them, take what sparks joy and leave the rest. It's okay to leave things when they no longer feel nourishing to you. So each energy type has a way that is more aligned and more conducive for them to engage in the world. And when they learn to work with that, they'll find that they will receive more energy, more joy, more reward more nourishment from their job you know um and I think when you start introducing it to business it's you know just even things like oh you have a lot of individual energy maybe working on a team isn't the best way for you or you know doing collaborations rather than like um you know or doing yeah doing collaborations rather than going into partnerships like there's so I mean I've only 
basically touched the tip of the iceberg there. There's so much in someone's chart. Um, like how sensitive are they to other people in the team? What are their gifts that they'll bring to the team? Like who should who's on your team that you can access for um overseeing things? Who, like, for example, another one around projectors is they are very good at zooming out and kind of going, this is the bit that's not working, right? This is where everything stops being in flow and alignment and yet they're often put into doing roles which is more of a generator energy and so they're not being used to the full effect or the full benefit within teams so when we start to understand how different energy types work together we can start to I kind of expand into the full potential of each energy type within teams as well so Quite honestly, the, the tools for human design and business are endless. You can look at what your vocation is, what are the areas that you're here to talk about, what direction should you be going. It's all, it's all in there. Yeah, it's pretty incredible how much depth there is. And, you know, like you just said before, it, it gives you permission to be. That was the word I was looking for before, permission to continue being what you're already being or with understanding. And it, mm. it almost says... That is how you're meant to feel. And it's it's almost like human design gets you back into alignment to go through, right? Totally. And that's, you know, that's why, you know, just having the permission to operate in your own unique way is such a relief. It's such mm-hmm. a sigh of relief for so many people. You know, just even that one piece about, for example, manifesting generators, giving them permission to leave things projects hobbies jobs that no longer nourish or excite them is huge because often one of the core things that we're told as kids is no if you start it you have to finish it you know otherwise you're a flake but actually for that particular energy type that's not true you know for generators like yourself if you're in a job or a role or you're spending the majority of your time which let's face it, we've spent a lot of our time at work doing something that doesn't light you up, that doesn't bring you joy, you're not going to be magnetic to the people around you. You're not going to, you know, like if you're in your own business as a generator and you are not completely nourished and lit up and excited by the work that you do, then there, the sequel is what makes generators magnetic. People literally flock to them when they're like uh, radiant with joy, right? They just love what they do. Um, that is what literally draws your audience to you. It's also what other energy types that don't have a, a sequel, it helps them discover what they love. It helps them know what they're like, oh, I want a bit of that. I want some of that person's energy. I want to feel that way about what I do. And so they you kind of draw in the people who need your work in the world. So if a generator is not liking what they do, they will often feel like they don't have a lot of energy. It, it has a direct impact on their energetic level. Yeah, it's like an attraction piece, right? And totally. so magnetizing. Yeah, it makes generators and manifesting generators that that passion and love and joy for what they do is what makes them magnetic in business Mm. and that's when you start to like ultimately you start to get out of your head about 
over strategizing though. I want this end result, so therefore I have to work backwards from there and take all these steps. It's like, no, what if you just follow the pull from your sacral energy, which is everything that expands you and pulls you into action where you literally feel pulled forward. That's the piece that will get you there in half the number of steps, simply through you sharing your energy and attracting the people that are magnetized by that. It's so good. I just suggest anyone listening, if you haven't like had your chart read, definitely reach out to Julianne and ask her because it is, it is, it's incredibly powerful to learn. It gives you permission to be more of yourself. It gets you back into alignment. It helps you with direction and clarity, like all the things that people are seeking. It's amazing to have this experience, like where you can look at detail of yourself rather than trying to fix things blindly. Like it is very, very powerful. Yeah. And also um, a part that I'm working with more now is when you look at the expression of your like centers and like the fears that you can have, it can help you navigate in business. Okay, well, you might have um, this gate. So, for example, the spleen center is like our instincts, but it's also our fear center. And so if we have certain energy, um, certain gates lit up that come out of the spleen, the shadow aspect of those will be the fear expression. And when we, when we know that, we can be like, oh, I'm in the fear expression of this energy rather than the gift. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And so we can learn how to move our fears into the more positive and expansive version of their expression so that we can actually lean into our growth. So working with understanding, like, um, understanding your emotional waves through your emotional center or understanding um, that maybe you don't have emotional waves yet, maybe you have a totally open emotional center, um, which is the little triangle to the right-hand side of the body graph. Mm. And... For example, if that's totally open, um, you will have more of an empathic energy, which means you will feel the deep emotions of other people and you will magnify them. Those are the sorts of things when you're working in spaces with other human beings that is really helpful. <laughs> it's really helpful to know how to manage those, right? Because mm. otherwise we can tell ourselves a story of like, what is wrong with me? I'm, a, I'm all over the place. Whereas when we know, oh, we can know those things. We can start to ask ourselves questions. Okay, is this my, is what I'm feeling, does it make sense to me? And it might. But a lot of the time for um, empaths, it won't. They're like, no, this doesn't make sense to me. Okay, well, it's probably not mine. So I'm picking up on somebody else's. That's information to me. I can initiate a conversation with that person. Or I can just decide to let it go. Yeah. And so we start to learn how to work with our own energy. We learn what is ours. We learn how to overcome our fears. This is a big one in business, right? When we're leaning into a new edge or a new level of growth. We can have fears around our own greatness sometimes. We can have fears around our own potential. Um, So having awareness of those things can help us move through that and lean into our 
fullest expression rather than kind of getting stuck in those stories or stuck in that energy. Yeah, I like that. And it is everybody's so uniquely individual and we totally. do need to work with what we have or what our experience is and what's in mm. our past. So yeah. very, very powerful. Um, I want to know, before we wrap up today, I want to know if you're reading anything. I always ask my listeners this question because I think we can, I mean, there's so many books out there, right? <laughs> and I think it's really cool to see what people are listening to or what people are reading. Um, yes, I I have several books on the go. Um, I'm the same. I thought I was the only one that did that. I read like three books at a time. Um, I often read books that are to do with work. I very rarely read novels. Um, so um, I'm reading a book um, by Peter Levine called Walking the Tiger, which is around trauma. Wow. Not necessarily a light read, but I like to, obviously in the work that I'm doing and with emotional work, sometimes trauma um, comes up and um, it's just really nice to, it's just really important to kind of know how that um, is stored in the body and how to um, work with the body and also talks a little bit about the vagus nerve and things like that. And um, I've also just started reading The Heroine's Journey. Oh, I haven't read that. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. So I would imagine a lot of the readers, our listeners, sorry, have heard of um, The Hero's Journey, which is mm. like the life cycle of, you know, going on a journey and then being challenged and overcoming it. I mean, if you look at Hollywood, most of the story, most of their um, their uh, film navigation is around the story of the hero's journey. And... Uh, this book was written from the female perspective because um, she believes that we didn't, we didn't we don't journey that journey in the same way. And that actually, when she spoke to the author of the hero's journey, he was quite dismissive about women's place within that journey. <laughs> so she, um, it just didn't resonate with her. So. Um, she wrote her own, and it's um, really beautiful. It talks about the mother wound and, and um, talks a little bit about, you know, how we engage with our fathers and how we engage with the patriarchy and then how we come back to the feminine and how we connect to that and how we go into that. So it's, those maps and models always kind of help, you know, because you meet people at different stages of their own journey. And sometimes mm. if we just use them as maps, really, it can help re-navigate us sometimes. Yes. I'm going to actually get that book because I've been meaning to read that for a while. So Yeah, it had been on my list for quite a while and I found a new bookstore and it has a long list of things that I want to read. <laughs> I know. You're either a book person or you're not. <laughs> I know. I love it, but um, I sometimes get distracted. So my one of my goals this year is to, to do at least one book every month. Yeah, that's a good goal. Is there anything else you want to leave us with today? Because it's been amazing and there's just so much in human design and kinesiology and, you know, connecting with people in this way. Is there something you wanted to leave the audience with? Um, well, I guess just I think one of the biggest things that we need to navigate ourselves in our in, in a happy, expanded life is, is just the belief that you're enough. Mm. It's It's 
so often what my work comes back to with people is just reaffirming, letting go of old wounds or old stories from childhood or parts of ourselves where we think everybody else has got their, you know, their stuff together. And it's such a joke. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's been so many studies that even, you know, the most successful people in the world don't, you know, they tell themselves the same stories and in the background, but it's just, it's that deep trust that you're enough exactly as you are and that you are here to be unique. You're here to be a, a unique expression um, of life force or, you know, the divine or universal energy, whatever that thing is that you believe in. And that it's okay to trust those instincts that say, I know I'm supposed to do it that way, but I want to tweak it a little bit. Those are probably the things that will bring you like joy in the little moments. And those are the things that when you trust them, honestly, those are the things that will bring you success and navigate you in the ways that you've been dreaming of. So lean in, trust it a little bit more, lean into the experiment of life and see what what comes from there. Awesome. I've absolutely loved having you on the show. And I know that, you know, there's going to be people wanting to ask more questions and connect with you. So where can they find you online to have a chat or book a session? Um, well, I'm on Instagram at Julianne Kelly Wellbeing. Um, and then my website is juliannekelly.com.au. And they can message me in either of those places just to connect. I offer a discovery call because each person's um, thing that they want to work on is unique. So I offer a free half-hour consultation if people just want to feel into it, if it feels like a good resonant match or, um, yeah, just to connect and see how we could best work together. Beautiful. I'm going to put that in the show notes anyway so that people um, can click through and follow through to your Instagram. And I know you had a special offer for the audience today that you wanted to share. Yeah, so anybody that wants to book uh, a human design reading, I'm offering a free 45-minute question and coaching session afterwards. So if there's any part of the chart that you would like to clear any blocks around or, you know, move into acceptance of, or if there's just any other parts of the chart that you want more explanation or to go a bit deeper on, Um, we have a follow-up session of 45 minutes to go a little bit deeper into all of those things for anybody who puts a session. That's amazing. Thank you so much for that. I'll also put those details in the show notes. But today's been amazing having you on. I was really excited because I know when I had a session with you, I was like, wow, this is so intriguing and also giving me permission to continue to be who I am and also tweak a few things. So I hope that the audience has learned a lot from you today and that that you do get a few sessions booked from them. Beautiful. Thanks so much for having me, Rebecca. It's been gorgeous to chat to you as always. Well, I hope you enjoyed another guest episode on Rebecca Neal, the podcast. It is such an honor to have these people on the show and be able to connect you with people maybe you would never have met or in you know had heard of previous to this. Don't forget, she has a very generous offer, a free 45-minute coaching and balancing session for anyone that books in a human design reading. 
please use the code Rebecca. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode. As always, feel free to share and tag on socials. DM me if you have any questions. And until next week, we will be diving into a solo episode. I hope to see you on the gram and you have a beautiful rest of your day.